Hello, I'm Hayley Jarrick, CEO of the Supply Chain Sustainability School. This episode of the People, Planet, Profit podcast was recorded as part of a video series. In this theoretical integrated design forum, architects, engineers, material suppliers, builders and facility managers tell us things they wish the others knew about sustainable properties. We hope you enjoy. Hi, Caroline. Thanks for joining me today. Let's kick off the session by um, introducing yourself for people that don't know you. A pleasure, and thanks for asking me, Hayley. So I'm Caroline Peacock. I'm an architect. I've been in my own practice for 30 years. Uh, the last four years I've been doing less project-based work and more, um, I suppose, advocacy and strategy thinking around sustainability and how architecture can apply our considerable skills to being a part of the solution in the climate change world rather than part of a big part of the problem. Excellent. So what I'm going to do is run you through a series of questions um, and we're going to do this for the stack of other people through the um, through the supply chain of building and construction as well. Um, and I'm going to kick off with what's three things that architects wish that engineers knew about sustainability properties? How about if I just rephrase that a bit and tell you about the best, in, best um, working relationship I had with an engineer? And that was when we brought them on early, much earlier, and just after we had some very basic sketches. And I empowered um, him, that was a he, to say, you, you are really important because if this starts getting complicated or tricky, we need to know because that's when it gets expensive and carbon intensive. So that's the first one is to be a really good guide to saying too hard, Let's how can we simplify this? And the next one was, how do we decarbonize the material? And we worked and he said, well, I wonder how we do that. And I said, well, I suppose it's less lighter, lighter is less carbon. And so then we looked at, he developed up these really great ways of optimizing the structure with different arrangements for posts and beams and and um and struts to sort of see which one would deliver the least amount of carbon and work architecturally as well. So it's working with both at the same time. And and the other thing is just to be really open-minded to how their skills can work with our skills to come up with the best thing rather than being very process-driven and other things. So I think they are the things that characterised a really great working relationship I had. I think they're three awesome points too. You know, if you work in harmony and sort of syndicate where things are at, um, it turns less into a, you know, everyone's heard the cliches, right? Architects design beautiful things and engineers have to try and figure out how to build them or engineers design very practical things that architects think don't look very pretty. You know, yeah. it's that whole, you know, the two working together to say, well, hang on, but we can design something really practical and pretty if we put our two minds together and work through some of those solutions. So I think that that's a some awesome top three um, things that um, engineers can definitely pick up that um, architects would like to promote. So then if we move on to um, slightly further down the chain, so let's talk about all the material suppliers out there. So what are three things that architects wish material suppliers knew about sustainable properties? Well, the very first thing is know what's in your product so we can talk about it. Um, because there's a lot of toxic stuff in products and people don't even know. And that's that's not okay. It's not okay to be there and it's even worse not to know it. So really understand what's in your products. And I suppose then be open to finding ways of delivering that product with no toxic materials. Because how crazy is it that we put toxic any toxic materials into our buildings? 
Um, and then I think the other one is just to have a really, to be able to really work with architects on what the qualities of the materials are and where they are best used and where they are best not used, you know, because I think there are some materials that can be exposed to a lot of weather and other ones that never should be. So I think having that, again, interactive discussion around where those products are well used and where they're not is really important. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, that whole durability factor during construction, right? You might have a very, like, it looks pretty when you build the building, but if you're three weeks in, it doesn't stand the test of time. It doesn't look very pretty sort of after a month, a year, seven years, 10 years. Yeah. So yeah. it's around ensuring the longevity of, of that yeah. beauty um, and functionality beyond that point. Yeah. So I think that they're two very good things. Um, and I know that we talk a lot with material suppliers about sort of knowing all of the aspects of, of your product. So not just your carbon footprint, but like you said, the toxicity um, inside the different product, what sort of nasties are in there. And um, and a lot of people are working in that space around environmental product declarations for that, um, for that definitely in there. And I think more so probably these days than anywhere else, it's around where you're making those products as well. You know, has modern slavery been used in the production of your materials? Knowing that, so yep. that you can then have a conversation about it. And what um, energy is being used to create them and all those sorts of things. And then... Yep getting engaged about how to improve them on all those levels yeah so it's a thing get yourself educated so you can have a conversation so it's the key one um so then if we sort of then talk about how then is sort of i want to say sort of the middle gap between those two so you've designed it it's been engineered you've got all your materials specified and then you hand it over to a builder to then turn it into reality so what sort of three things do you wish architects knew that architects wish that builders knew about sustainable properties? Well, again, first first thing I have been doing um, in the last 10 years is bringing a builder on at the very beginning of the process because they have a lot of expertise and experience and rather than getting a fully documented, fully specified set of drawings and documents and then going, actually, I wouldn't have done it like that, is if you bring them on earlier, then you can actually incorporate their intelligence and expertise in a really productive manner. So early engagement and collaboration, I think, is really, really important to a successful building. Um, and then I think that I think that builders of there are a number of builders who see how important sustainability in the built environment is, and anyone who doesn't needs to get on board and stop battling against, I, I'm not going to make change, you don't need to do this. We we all need to work together towards this and this is the future and if you've got to retrain yourself and some of your tradesmen and other people to deliver more sustainable buildings, get onto it now. Stop stop fighting the inevitable future because it's a lot better for everyone, um, including yourselves. And I think the other thing is to... Um, don't be afraid of women on a building site <laughs> and really uh, diverse groups of people in gender, in race, in age, in all sorts of things can is really important for any successful ecosystem, including a building site. And um, I think we've all got something to offer and we need to be open to, in, to listening and hearing and finding what that is the other person has to offer and bringing that into into the um, project. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, I, I laughed when you said it because, um, yeah, I've been there and I've, I've felt that uh, resistance is the polite way of putting it. <laughs> I've been <laughs> integrated into 
um, very male-dominated industries. Um, but at the same time, I think it's just that, like you said, it's that tolerance. It's that being okay with a different opinion, um, understanding that difference isn't bad or good, it's just different, um, having mature conversations around differing point of views and seeing that really constructive conflict. So I think people fear conflict in general as being bad and negative and disagreement and hindering efficiency and progress and all those sorts of fun things, um, whereas really constructive conflict is amazing. And we all know that you know diverse groups of people can see things ahead of time. They're all looking at things from different angles. They experience things in different ways. They can foresee problems that others can't have and surely being able to openly express those sorts and of I, things I early think, on. I think if you've got a ground rule that everyone comes to this trying to get the best outcome and therefore to tease out some different ideas is a good thing before it's built. <laughs> yep. Much harder after it's built to then go back Much and harder fix it. After it's built. <laughs> Much more expensive afterwards, I imagine. So then if we follow the timeline down um, and we've designed, we've engineered, we've specified, we've constructed, then we hand the building over to someone to manage it. So either that's a homeowner for, or a, um, a manager of a residential complex or a facility manager of a, um, a commercial or an industrial um, process in that mix. But from an architectural point of view, what are, what are three things that architects wish that facility managers knew about sustainable properties? Oh, goodness. Um... Well, I think that there probably needs to be some really good discussions and or drawings and or documents talking about how that building is intended to operate. And then if it's not working quite right to have a discussion before you just make wholesale changes. So I think that a building is, it's an interactive thing. It's a bit like sailing a boat and you've got to kind of do it with, with the weather conditions in mind and, and adjust and tune as you go. And so often architects aren't involved in that process and sometimes they know stuff that might not be totally obvious. So I think being open to discussions around what was intended and what was done and how that might work or not work and what adjustments might need to be made is really important. Um, and then I think facility managers oh, need to understand there's a whole lot of different people in the building and they all have different wants and, you know, needs and how... I, I, it's no mean feat trying to make a building comfortable for many different people, but perhaps sort of considering different ways of having, you know, zoning people who like cold or hot or whatever might be a good idea. Um, and I think that the other thing is that not all people are super computer literate. So if you give them to complex management systems, you know, they just want to go into a room and turn a button. They don't want to have to kind of program it and pick things. So I think very simplified options are really important to enable the best engagement with people. Amazing. I think that's true too. I think, you know, in terms of I remember um, if we talk about lighting, right, so there used to be the whole campaign of turn the lights off when you leave a room, turn them on when you walk into a room, and, of course, everyone would leave the lights on when they exited and then they'd put signs up saying, remember to turn the lights off. And then someone said, why don't we just automate it so that it's on a sensor? When you walk in and you're in there, the lights come on and then when you leave, they turn themselves off automatically. Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, actually, that's a much simpler <laughs> solution than trying to get everybody to <laughs> engage in this process, right? You know, like. It um, is until you're in the meeting room and then you've got to go like this yeah, too. Yeah, it's like jumping around. <laughs> it's like you're not active enough. Get up and walk around. Um but I think that that's kind of where things are going to is that whole keep it simple 
Um, yeah, because I mean, I did a house once, and the and the man really loved you know building automation, and we did all this stuff. And she just walked in, and went shit. I just I just want to turn the light on. I don't want to have to go through all of this. And I mean, it could have been a different thing, but people are different and have different um, appetites for that engagement. <laughs> yeah, um, I think voice activated anything is sort of <laughs> a, the bane of people's existence. You know. It's like turn the lights on. No, I didn't want the kettle on. You know, that's just that's not what I wanted. What was the command? I can't remember the language. And and, and um, I do think that smart buildings need smart people in them who can work with them and understand what's happening and adjust to suit because uh, we've got to we can't give over our intelligence to all our intelligence to machines. <laughs> well, you know. You do need some intelligence to hand over sometimes too. So I think that sometimes just sort of automating or or making things simpler um, in that sort of that process is definitely a good way forward um, to be able to move through through everything as well. Um, Well, that comes to the end of my list of questions. Um, So thank you very much, Caroline, for um, imparting your knowledge from an architecture point of view into the series. Um, And I look forward to um, chatting with you. Can I make one more comment? Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, when I was uh, down in Melbourne uh, emceeing an event on the circular economy and I spoke to Robbie from Revival Projects and he said, you know, the problem with you architects is it's like you go to the fridge or the pantry and you open it up and you look at everything and you pull it all out and you throw it away and you buy in new and start from there. And he said, the skills you've got to learn is to open that up and go, what's here, what can I make from what I've got? And I think that that is one of the most important things our industry needs to start doing right now because every single tonne of carbon counts and making the most of the embodied carbon of existing buildings and materials and building systems is really important. And I think we've got to get much more creative, working collaboratively together to work out how to do that and deliver very beautiful, very efficient, very structurally sound buildings. And we can. Very good point to make. I think circular economy is going to be the big thing that everyone talks about over the next few years. Um, and we've got to stop this dependence, this linear cycle of dig it up, use it, throw it away. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, Australia's been blessed with a lot of green space that we've been expanding to. And we've now hit the sort of yeah. infrastructure limits of where all that construction can get to. So we're going to have to start being smarter with the stuff that's already there and close to existing facilities. So a very poignant reminder at the end of a great session so once again thank you very much caroline for joining pleasure Haley. lovely chatting 